All right, let's welcome to the Misfit Nation, Mike Duffy. He's a philanthropist and an author of five books on happiness, including The Happiness Book, A Positive Guide to Happiness, The Happiness Book for Men, that's important for me, of course, The Happiness Book for Kids, Volumes 1 and 2. Having our kids happy and having them have a positive outlook on life is very important for all of us. Welcome to the show, Mike. You know, Rich, it is a true pleasure to be here. Uh, I look forward to giving your audience some actionable steps on how to be happier and to provide some good eternal wisdom, as well as the latest scientific research on how to live a happier life. Outstanding. So, Mike, uh, as we're sitting here today, we know a lot of events are going on in the world. Tell us a little bit about you and then how you got into the work of happiness. Well, um, I, I have a few hats. So <laughs> I am the founder of the Happiness Hall of Fame, which recognizes, celebrates, and encourages people and organizations that make other people happy, which is really the secret to happiness is making others happy. I, uh, I've been a financial advisor for 30 years, and uh, I'm a public speaker. So I tour the country for corporations and nonprofits, and I do Zoom events. Um, and my most popular talk right now is how to be happier during COVID. I'm sure that's a real good one right now. <laughs> a lot of people uh, got into those uh, in, in their four walls and didn't know what to do with themselves for basically uh, almost 18, 19 months now. It's yeah. a long period of time to be shut in and uh, lose that social network that you had not mean the social network of your computers or phones, but actually talking to a human and saying hello and smelling things outside. Yes. How is that working? How is that? How are you achieving uh, some of the getting some gains with them to be happy? You know, it's here's the thing. You have to be a silver linings person in order to be a success in this world. So while everything that you stated is true. This has been a fantastic opportunity to live an examined life. You see, the unexamined life is not worth living. We must constantly take inventory on our strengths, our weaknesses, and how we can be better, how we can live our best life now. And I think that the best way to achieve that is through my happiness formula. It's very, very simple. If you can hear the sound of my voice, I want you to take out a pen and paper or on the Yellow Notes app on your phone, write this down. It's very easy. P plus P equals H. Purpose plus progress equals happiness. So a dozen years ago, Rich, I sat down with this formula and on the left side of the paper, I wrote down the many purposes of my life because we all have multiple purposes. And on the left side, I wrote down, be the best husband to my wife, Shannon. Be the best father to my two kids. Be the best financial advisor to my clients. On the right side of the page, I wrote down action steps under progress. So every Saturday night was date night. I learned a long time ago, Rich, that it's much cheaper to hire a babysitter than it is a divorce attorney. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> and my wife is my best friend. I told her, Shannon, if you ever leave me, I'm coming with you. Okay. I'm in it to win it, baby. So 
every Saturday night at 5.30 like magic for my wife, a babysitter showed up. She didn't have to book one. She didn't have to pay for one. And I had multiple babysitters in case one dropped out. So she knew for certain that she was going to be treated like the queen that she is. My parents both had sixth grade educations. They're Irish immigrants. And on the morning of my wedding, my father took his hands and went like this. He said, Mike, when you start your marriage or any love relationship, it's two people butting heads. But over time, you start to begin as one. Now, what does that mean, Mike? He said, what that means is when you grasp this concept of the law of reciprocity, which states that when you are kind to somebody, they as human beings want to reciprocate and be kind back to you. So every Saturday night, I would say to my wife, where do you want to go? What meal would you like to have? What movie would you like to see? I'm never mean to my wife or I try not to be because it's like being mean to myself. Why would I want to hit myself? Why would I want to be? It's stupid. So if you, if you get that concept in any love relationship, understand that you have become as one and you want to elevate that person. That's perfect advice right there. And also keeps you happy at home if you start messing up with the wife. Uh, that's a twofold incident. Like you're saying, you don't want to punch yourself. Once you make her mad, then you're mad. You're going to be mad all day too because you're getting yelled at or, or whatever things are taken away from you at that point. And so it's a double-edged sword when you do something along those lines. Yeah, and Rich, tell me a little bit about yourself. Are you married? Do you have any kids? I am married. Our, we have one daughter. She's 25, married, and uh, lives across town. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. And how do you like living in Tennessee? How's the food there? Oh, it's, it's amazing. Uh, you can't find bad food here. I'm sure you can, but I haven't because I'm pretty selective where I eat. I usually go for the dives first to see what the food process is in the, in the area. And if that's good, I know the upper scale restaurants will be good as well. So I always do both. I, I always try to go low first and then go high and always help the local economy that way. I love it. So in the hall, are you a country music fan? I am. So I have two country music stars in the hall. I have Dolly Parton. Very important. Me, yeah, yeah. I, I love her. And she sent me a, a video every year at Stanford University. We have a big party, a big induction ceremony at the Stanford University Faculty Club. And she couldn't make it. So she sent me a fantastic minute video of her saying, people ask me all the time, Dolly, are you always happy? And she says, this isn't happiness. It's my Botox. Right? <laughs> she's an American treasure. Now, the reason why she's in the hall is not because she's written a thousand songs like nine to five, Jolene. She wrote all those. It's because she took her scars and turned them into gold. And what I mean by that is her beloved father had the injustice of never having the opportunity to learn how to read. So she says, you know what? I'm not gonna let anybody else suffer the injustice that my beloved daddy had. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna start a charity. And so far she's given out half a billion books to needy children around the globe. 
so that they wouldn't have the disability of not being able to read, right? Yeah. So I started this, people say, how did you get into debt? Why did you start this? We are flooded with bad info, flooded with bad news. How about somebody takes a spotlight and shines it on the people who are doing good things? Things like you're doing, Rich, with this wonderful podcast that you have. Thank you. Wisdom, right? And the other country star that I have in there is uh, Rich Redman, who's the drummer for the Jason Aldean Band. And what a great guy. Uh, he and I are friends, and he was out here this summer in the Bay Area, and I couldn't go backstage because nobody's allowed backstage. So I would have brought you backstage, but if you were to bring COVID backstage, then this multi-million dollar tour comes to an end. So he came out before and he met us in the, in the, at our seats and stuff. But, um, and, and I haven't been to Nashville yet, but he tells me that when I go there, and I will this upcoming year, he'll put me on his podcast and he'll show me his Nashville and I can't wait. And it's always better to see the outside the tourist Nashville, which is what he'll show you. He'll show you the listening room. He'll show you things outside of the Broadway. I mean, Broadway is great. It's good, it's good to experience it once or twice, but it's a, it's a hot mess is what I like to call it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's kind of like then Bourbon Street in New Orleans, right? Exactly. There are other places to go, right? Yes, but uh, except there, there's not as many uh, character actors on Broadway, I guess, <laughs> as Bourbon Street. <laughs> have you been to Jazz Fest yet in New Orleans? I have not. I've been down there for uh, New Year's Eve week uh, twice. So we, we go there and then leave on New Year's Eve and come back and celebrate with our daughter. <laughs> Isn't New Orleans great? It's beautiful. It's a it, there's places you don't want to be at night there, though. <laughs> yes, that's true. Yeah, and that's well, everywhere. You know, one of the things that I would encourage people to do is to go to Jazz Fest in New Orleans. Now, when I've told this to people over the years, they say, oh, either I don't like jazz or I like jazz. And I say, well, it's not really about jazz. There's <laughs> is going on at the same time. You know, my favorite part is the gospel tent. Because you can't go, you know, there's not a lot of gospel concerts that you can go to, right? And you can't go to bars to hear gospel. Um, but you can go to the Jazz Fest and you can go in and out of that tent and see some of the most beautiful music from the most talented singers that you've ever heard. And of course, the food of New Orleans is unparalleled. Oh, yeah. You can't, you can't be the food of New Orleans. If you leave New Orleans hungry, something's wrong with you. Something's very wrong with you. <laughs> And me and my wife, we go there. We usually walk about, I say, we average about 26,000 steps a day when we go there. Because wow. we just get our hotel and we just walk everywhere. We try yeah. food on every block pretty much. You got to get baguettes from everybody, beignets, I mean, from everybody to see yeah. who's the best. And we yeah. try to stay away from the big one, go to the little ones. And uh -huh. just like I do here with food, it's, it's amazing to try to work off those 26,000 steps, I guess, to eat more yeah. food. <laughs> Yeah, I, we, took a, we took a food tour of New Orleans, and um, it was just amazing. And of course, you know, you want to just crawl into bed after that. Yes. Um, but, you know, whenever you take the, we took a walking tour of New Orleans, and that was fascinating to see Nicolas Cage's pyramid sarcophagus that he's going to have when he passes away. It's already there in the graveyard. 
Um, just, it, it's such an amazing American city. It's a, a lot of uh, great architecture there as well. Yes. And the, I mean, the thought behind building, you're already 16 feet below sea level when they built that place. Mm -hmm. And people still were able to build beautiful mansions, beautiful houses, beautiful, the whole city, the layout of the city is beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. It'll make you happy. So go to New Orleans. <laughs> it should make you happy. Yes. So how can an average person increase their happiness? It's all about giving. It, at the end of the day, if you just think back on your life, think about all of the special presents you've given somebody versus the presents you've received. You know, it's, you know, a thousand years ago, St. Augustine said, it's in giving that we receive. And never a truer sentence was, was spoken. You know, I have a homeless outreach, the Happiness Hall of Fame homeless outreach. And most days I go out and I see my friends on the street. Now, all of that happened as a result of associating with people that you admire. So I would have loved to have inducted Mother Teresa into the Happiness Hall of Fame, but when I started it, she had already passed. But what I did was I inducted her legacy, Mother Teresa's Missionaries of Charity. So I called up the nuns in, in San Francisco, and I said, I would like to have you all out to Stanford University. And, you know, I'm making a movie, you'll be in the movie, and uh, we'd like to recognize you. It'll be a nice night out. And she says, well, everything we do has to be coordinated by India. They will have to approve this. So I'll call you back and see what they say. I said, great. Three weeks later, I get a phone call saying, we would love to be inducted but we are not allowed to be photographed. You see, our motto is all for the poor, not for our own glory. So if you'd like to give us the award, come up to our convent. So I said to my daughter, who at the time was nine, I said, Kendall, I want you to meet these amazing women who don't get to see their family, but once a decade. They have no possessions, they take a vow of poverty. Their entire purpose in life is to help the poor. So she said, okay. And I got two dozen cupcakes, the expensive kind. And we went up there and we walked in. And I said to the mother superior, here's, you know, really good cupcakes. I want you guys to have a great dessert this evening. And she said, oh, our friends on the street will love these cupcakes. And sometimes in your life, they will be a word or a phrase that changes your life for the better. In this case, the phrase, our friends on the street, first entered my ears. That turned my world upside down for the better. I stopped seeing people on the street as down on their luck, and I started seeing them as friends. This was especially helpful during COVID when you couldn't see your friends, when some of your friends were so paranoid they wouldn't see their own families. But my friends on the street never left. So the average person can increase their happiness by giving. That's outstanding. And uh, I think uh, giving the cupcakes and what they said, uh, our friends on the street, that's amazing. Uh, you, won't, you don't get that from everyone. Like you said, there's a stigma for those who are on the street. If you see them out there, you think either they're some uh, drug addict or something, they've done something horrible in their life. That's why they're out there. 
but the truth is some of them just are down on their luck and they, any one of us can make a mistake and wind up out there in 30 seconds. It can happen to any one of us. And you have to understand that going through life that at any time you could be that person. So if you can raise a hand up to them to get them up, it's the best thing to do. I agree. You must see the face of God in everybody that you meet. Definitely. So we know being happy also in the home is great on the streets is great, but when you're at work, you got to have some kind of happiness at work where you're not going to be a happy person in your experience. How do we make a work-life balance that actually works and you maintain that happiness on both sides of that fence? You know, a lot of time at work, we procrastinate. We know that we have a, we know that we have a task to do and actually outside of work as well. We know that we have something to do. You know, I'm sending out Christmas cards to my client, to my clients, and I've been procrastinating for a week, right? And then today, finally, I went up to the poster because I had to go to the post office. Oh my God, it's like the DMV, right? <laughs> and I, you know, and, and after this call, these cards will be finished and they will go into the post and, and people will get it. But, and now I feel really good about it before it was eating away at me. So finish what you start. Now, I have a great story about that. One of the privileges that I have of having this amazing 501c3 is that I get to engage with some of the most famous people in the world. Many years ago, Muhammad Ali invited me to induct him personally. And all of the stories, we don't have time for it today, but all the stories that I heard. What I'm going to share right now is a story of Hale Irwin. Hale Irwin has ranked uh, in one survey number 26 on the all-time best golfers. Understand that golf is over 600 years old. And if you come in at number 26, you're pretty good, okay? Hale Irwin won three U.S. Opens. He is the oldest man to win the U.S. Open at 45. Hale Irwin called me, oh, a number of months ago. Uh, and I said to him, I said, you know, I'm a public speaker and I tell people, I try to share great wisdom with them. And one of the things that I want to get from you, Hale, is how on God's earth were you able to compose yourself and win three U.S. Opens while all of the world was watching you. How can the average person get that kind of success? He said, Mike, when I won my first U.S. Open in 1972, I was on the 17th hole, and it was then that I fully understood that if I can keep things together, I'm going to win this. My dream is actually within reach. This out, amazing dream that is open to everybody in the world, but only can be won by one person. And it was at that moment when I realized that I could achieve my dream, something terrible happened to me. I had a panic attack but I didn't know what panic attacks were, it's 1972. I thought I was having a heart attack and my heart started beating out of my chest. And he goes, I looked to the right of the fairway where there was tons of people 
and I looked to the left of the fairway where there was even more people, I was trying to come up with a place where I could have my heart attack out of the view of the cameras. I couldn't believe that now when the money was on the line, I was gonna fold and I was potentially even gonna die. And a voice came into my head and it was the voice of my father. And he said, Hale, I taught you to finish what you started. So you put your head down and you finish what you started. And he goes, Mike, with that voice of my father, I put my head as, okay, dad. And I finish what I started. So that's how I would encourage the procrastinator in all of us to get the work done. And I think that's human nature is to procrastinate as well as just like I said, in all of us, it's human nature. Oh, I got uh, three weeks to write this paper. I can do it on the night before because I'm pretty good at that stuff. And then you get there and you have the same feeling uh, hell had as you think your chest's going to explode, your head's pounding. You don't know what's going to happen as you're typing those 20 pages within four hours to try to make it to a deadline. And hopefully you make it. Yeah. And another thing is to stop comparing yourself to other people. You know, and, and, and generally we compare ourselves to famous people, but we can compare ourselves to the Joneses or, or siblings or whatever. All of this, all of us are uniquely, perfectly imperfect. And what you want to do is you want to compare yourself to yourself yesterday. That's it. Am I doing the things even incrementally than I was doing yesterday? So am I finishing what I started? And I'm, am I making progress in one of my purposes? And if you can even have fractional growth, then you're going to feel a lot better about yourself and you'll be happier. Definitely. And I think that's how we can all achieve our best life, living, living that way, living uh, as long as I do better than I did yesterday, I'm, I'm doing better for others as well, not just for myself at that point. Yeah. And it takes the pressure off, right? As you drive down the street in your car and you look over at a red Ferrari, our natural human instinct is to say, what the hell went wrong with my life? Why aren't I in that Ferrari, right? And you can live in that little space of hell on a day-to-day -day basis, looking around and comparing you know, your disappointments. Or you can say, you know what? That's, that's, that's their reality. I don't know what burdens or what hardships, because even the guy in the Ferrari has burdens and hardships, believe me. But what I can do is get a little bit better each day. And that will keep me happy in my journey towards being my best self. Definitely. And when I see a Ferrari drive next to me, since I'm in a lifted Jeep, I usually think how many times will it have to be to hit it to go over it? But <laughs> I, was, I was thinking, uh, or will it drive it right underneath my tires at some point? So that's why I was thinking. <laughs> <I think. laughs> that makes me happy. <laughs> But I also know they have bills too. That's why they have that Ferrari and they're living the same life I am. Just they have a, a prettier toy, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? It's like Christmas presents. Whatever it is that you focus on in the material world, just like when you were a kid, you know, you didn't even want to play with it a day, a week later, it became old hat. Right. Um, and, and there's a danger to overextending yourself on material purchases because while now you don't have the same excitement you had after you purchased it, 
you're left with that bill on a monthly basis. Definitely. Exactly. All right. So we've talked about uh, what's been going on in the world. Children, I think, have been affected a lot more than adults with the COVID uh, pandemic being taken out of the classroom for almost two years, a lot of them. So they lost a lot of that social growth for them, social interaction. How do we build their resilience in this day and age where now they're, they're back in the classrooms and all of a sudden now we're back in that fear of the active shooter as we've seen a week or so ago? I'm gonna talk a couple things about children. Use the acronym CLAP, K-L-A-P, when you interact with your children. It stands for kindness, love, and patience. I have two children. They never cease to amaze me how frustrating they can be. And I love these two wonderful, beautiful gifts from God. But that doesn't mean that they don't drive me and my wife crazy, right? <laughs> so we laugh at it. We laugh at it. But you have to understand they haven't figured out the world yet. So they have these they have these fears that drives you nuts because you've conquered them because you're an adult now. So how do you deal with that? You deal with it with kindness, you'll deal with it with love, and you deal with it with patience. Put that in the frontal lobe of your brain. Every time they come with you, come at you with things that you feel they should have already conquered. The other thing that I wanna talk about with children is you want to help guide them into behaviors that are beneficial and will advance them as individuals. So what I mean by that is, you know, one of, one of the progress steps that I had written down to be a good father to my children was to coach them in every sport that they ever played. Now that means that you'll be coaching your children in sports that you actively dislike. For me, that's soccer. I didn't know the rules. They, it, it's, a, you know, yes, it's good for them to run around, but you know, when you put them in positions like goalie and they walk away at a critical point in the game to pick a flower or pet a dog, as you know, as somebody who's trying to coach to a win, it can be very frustrating. But it's not about you, it's about them. You know, I had a very easy time coaching my son in football because football is my joy, right? If, if I were to probably choose anything other than what I'm doing right now and something that I would do for free is to coach football. I just adore the sport. But that's not how life works out, right? Um, and so if you can, and, you know, as a result of that, I now... You know, my daughter plays varsity golf and, you know, we were, we were on a, uh, a golf course last Saturday and she says, dad, you know, we really have to make sure that we play together every two weeks. To hear that from your child who's 16, I just, I just bought her a Mustang last week. She got her driver's license and she's driving around. Now here she's got this vehicle of freedom and yet she wants to spend at least every two weeks golfing with me for several hours. I think that worked out well. I think it was a good investment, yes. Yeah. Time and time and love towards her and showing that stuff really helped out. 
Uh, soccer was uh, also my uh, sport of choice. I didn't understand the thing about it. My friend, our friend got our daughter into it and I wound up coaching her. And after I think 10 or 12 years of her playing, I had it down pat and then she retired from it. So, <laughs> so we do enjoy soccer now. We go to USMNT games or USWMT games uh, down when they come to Nashville or any what time we're close to them. So we enjoy that together. But I'm still I'm still a football nut, not always a football, just football. <laughs> Who's your team for football? It's the uh, New York Football Giants. Um, I am a fan of their dysfunctional uh, cousins, the New York Jets. Ah, yes, yes, yes. If you were to cut me open, I'm 99% scar tissue and 1% hope. <laughs> so you had some hope from 1969, and everything else after that's over. <laughs> So I had the misfortune of my godfather at the age of five, taking me to see the Jets and Joe Namath at the Chase Stadium. He was a garbage man and he had won tickets for his union. And I wish to this day he had taken somebody else because the poison came in and it has not been able to leak out. Yeah, it is a disability being a Jets fan. We have one set of one set of cousins that are Jets fans. Everyone else is Giants or Raiders fans. It's just painful. Yeah, all three all three franchises became painful, so it's, <laughs> it's equal now. <laughs> well, at least you've had some, you know, Super Bowls, right? Yeah, we've had four since uh, you guys yeah. won your one. <laughs> so you know, there there has been some antidotes. Right. As an adult, you you've had some you've had some high times. I yeah, have we had some joy cheered. in there and some happiness. Yes, <laughs> have cheered in that. <laughs> so, uh, Mike, uh, thanks for taking some of your time to come on here. How does someone uh, get in contact with you to have you speak for them or to just give them some advice on how to be happy? Sure. So, if if you, you know, I'll open up my inbox and I'll I'll get an advice from, you know. It, it, it's crazy you know this morning i opened up my inbox hey we would like you to come give our keynote at our school in wyoming you know i've never been in wyoming right and it's in november in 22 right so whether it's a school or whether it's a nonprofit or whether it's a corporation you can reach me at just go to my website mikeduffyspeaks.com um and if you'd like to uh, watch some great wisdom from some of the inductees in the Happiness Hall of Fame, go to happinesshalloffame.com. Awesome. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for sharing that. Thanks for sharing some of your time today, along with all your tips and tricks to stay happy and have a good day. Rich, it's been a true pleasure. Thank you so much. Awesome.